AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 411 for your tuesday february 8th 2022 i am jd from new york and this is the ots venue thank you guys very much for joining me on your tuesdays wherever you may be we have a mixed bag of news today man i got news on jeff hardy Matt Hardy revealed some pretty important information in regards to the speculation that Jeff Hardy will be debuting with AEW on Wednesday night, which is my prediction. It's always a case where it could be true. It is a red herring. They're trying to not really put it out there to the general public and really make it seem like it's a surprise. So the information that he's really letting everybody know is the information that we already know as far as his non-compete being up in March. But why would they really go out there and say anything but? And then Keith Lee is the other big name as far as the debut on Dynamite. Everybody thinks that Keith Lee is going to debut on Wednesday night in this match with Isaiah Cassidy and be the face of the revolution for AEW. It certainly could be a case of Keith Lee but there are reasons why it cannot be Keith Lee as well. We're going to talk about this and the going rumor that Keith Lee is already signed to AEW. So I got some potential Jeff Hardy, Keith Lee, AEW rumors, rumor killers. Like I said, a mixed bag of information as it pertains to that story. So that's what I got coming up today. Also, more information about Shane McMahon and the reason Vince McMahon sent him home. More information is being pulled out of Royal Rumble Saturday. Shane McMahon argued with Vince McMahon over one thing in particular that really kind of broke the camel's back. Then there's another story about Brock Lesnar not being very pleased with Shane McMahon's booking in the Royal Rumble, which then obviously got blown up. And Lesnar had his say about it. I got news on that today as well. News on Roman Reigns and Bill Goldberg and the ridiculous garbage take that Bully Ray gave everybody on Busted Open Radio this week. News on Ronda Rousey. And I knew something was wrong when she made her return to Monday Night Raw she looked like she did not want to be there. Apparently, WWE thought the same exact thing. And also, the hilarious list of banned words 
That came from the one and only Mickey James appearance at the Royal Rumble. But everybody seems to think that there's a forbidden door between WWE and other promotions, more notably Impact Wrestling. No, there's no forbidden door and there will never be a forbidden door. Thank you guys very much for joining me on episode 411. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a thousand likes minimum on today's OTS. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That is Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Like I said, subscribe, turn on the bell. If you guys want to join the VIP club, you know how to join the channel and become a VIP member of Off The Script. You guys get those custom emotes and those custom badges next to your name to show off your VIP status. Go and check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Tons of it, man. We've been consistent throughout the first month and the first couple of weeks of February of 2022. Make sure you guys go and check that out. Podcasts, live streams, you name it. Everything you need is on the homepage right now if you want more content from Off The Script. And make sure you guys go and get your merchandise, man. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Script. You guys can see all the list of t-shirts and items that are on sale on the Bonfire shop right under the video player that you are watching right now on YouTube. Shout out to my Blue Wire family. Shout out to all my listeners on iTunes and Spotify as well. And being that this is a Tuesday afternoon, make sure you guys are in Atlantic City tomorrow afternoon, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., we will be doing an OTS VIP meetup at one of my favorite places right before AEW Dynamite in Atlantic City at the Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall from 2 to 6 p.m. So if you guys are coming from the tri-state area or if you're coming from Pennsylvania, make sure you guys hit up the Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall. We will be there from 2 to 6 p.m. Let's start at the top, man. Right from the word go, let's go to the Jeff Hardy AEW situation. Heading into Wednesday's Dynamite, Tony Khan has drummed up a lot of excitement for AEW Dynamite. And there's been a lot of talk about Jeff Hardy possibly debuting as Tony Khan's big surprise. Tony Khan stated on Friday that a top wrestler will be debuting against Isaiah Cassidy and this person will be signing with the company on Wednesday as well. Matt Hardy, Jeff's brother, confirmed on his podcast that Jeff's non-compete clause runs for another month and he will not be a free agent until March 10th. So that eliminates Jeff as a possibility for Wednesday nights. Matt Hardy says this, and I quote, Jeff's no-compete clause runs into March 9. As of March 10, he will be free to do whatever and then he could negotiate with somebody or work for another big company that has television, whatever it may be. Do I think that Jeff Hardy could end up coming to AEW and teaming with Matt Hardy again? As they say in the wrestling business, never say never. Which is laughable because we all know that's exactly what's going to happen. Anything's possible. We're definitely going to be working, to, working together and we'll see if the planets align and we do get the opportunity to become the greatest tag team in all of space and time once more, end quote. 
Matt and Jeff already have some independent bookings already lined up for the next month. Obviously, that's okay because it's not with a televised promotion. Jeff was released in WWE or from WWE in December after people in management thought that Jeff was dealing with substance abuse issues again. Turned out that Jeff's drug test results came back clean. Jeff reportedly turned down an offer to return to the company and an offer to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, the reason why Jeff turned down the Hall of Fame induction, uh, and, and this was stated by Matt as well, is because Jeff wanted to be inducted with Matt as the Hardy Boys. Now, you know how WWE loves to milk these Hall of Fame inductions. You know, it, it's, it, it's a foregone conclusion that, yes, the Hardy Boys are going to go into the WWE Hall of Fame as a tag team. WWE would not shy away at all from two spotlighted Hall of Fame ceremonies separate, right, with Jeff going in by himself and then Jeff going in with Matt as the Hardy Boys. That's two star-studded Hall of Fame inductions. They would never shy away from that. So let's not pretend that WWE is not going to induct the Hardy Boys and Jeff by himself. They would absolutely go that route. But Jeff wanted to be inducted with Matt because that is what really, I guess, that, that's pretty much his career. That, that's what brought him to the dance. He, he, he wants to share in that moment with Matt, that, especially that first moment, which you only get one of. He wants to share that with Matt. Matt's obviously an AEW talent. Matt's a contracted employee to All Elite Wrestling. WWE's not going to do that. They did it with Impact and Christian Cage, right? Or Ric Flair, rather. was, a, And then Christian Cage was sent over there as like a, a make good for WWE to Impact. And then Ric Flair was... Uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame with the Horsemen, I believe it was, right? So it's a situation where let's not pretend WWE is not going to induct both Jeff by himself and Matt and Jeff together as the Hardy Boys. So that's what Matt said as it pertains to that story. But the thing with this is, and I say this about all of these situations that really sound as similar to this, I said it with all these surprises, Right, I even said it when Edge was debuting with the WWE again after nine years after the AEW rumor that Tony Khan offered him major money and then WWE found that out and Edge used Tony Khan and AEW as leverage and then they brought him back to WWE to have his one final run in the company. He won the Royal Rumble. He had that great feud with Randy Orton. He had that big Rumble return, which was one of the greatest Royal Rumble returns of all time. Edge was out there on social media claiming that he had no, you know, connection or no contact with WWE leading up to that point. Like, what is he supposed to do? Everybody in the community was talking about Edge coming back. It was reported that Edge was seen in Pittsburgh and he was getting medically cleared and tying up all the loose ends and and all this other bullshit. Meltzer, Alvarez, Mike Johnson, Sapp, all these guys were talking about Edge showing up in the Royal Rumble. And Edge shows up on on social media and says, nah, you know, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Why would he go out there and say, well, yeah, yeah, I was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I've been talking to WWE and so on and so forth. He's not going to do that. Why would he ruin the genuine surprise? Why would Matt let you know on his podcast that Jeff Hardy potentially got his 90-day clause waived And there were lawyers involved, and the lawyers got it cleared because of the drug test that WWE thought he failed. All Jeff wanted was his negative drug test. He knew it was negative. And to make good here, 
They let him go from the 90 days. Why would Matt go on his podcast and tell you that? Of course he's going to tell you that Jeff has his non-compete up on March 10th. Of course. It only makes sense. It only makes sense for them to do that. They're not going to go out there and ruin the surprise of Jeff Hardy showing up in AEW, which if it is, it's going to be a big fucking deal. There will be money to be made with Jeff and Matt on AEW television, both in a singles capacity or in a tag team capacity, which I prefer. Because the matches that are to be had with them as a tag team in AEW are endless. Unbelievable final run for them. Much deserved for those guys to end their career that way. Then they can go into the Hall of Fame and any Hall of Fame for that matter. But the thing is, as to, you know, on top of this, the, the whole Isaiah Cassidy match. Isaiah Cassidy's a part of the Hardy family office. He was reprimanded by Matt Hardy to get the job done and win the TNT championship from Sammy Guevara. That did not happen. Why would Keith Lee come in to debut against the Hardy family office and Isaiah Cassidy? Keith Lee doesn't have any prior matches or history with Isaiah Cassidy or Private Party or Matt Hardy, right? Why would Keith Lee come in and do that? It seems like it's a waste of a Keith Lee debut. It seems like it's a very lackluster debut in theory for Keith Lee. Would Keith Lee be a perfect fit for that ladder match at Revolution? Absolutely. Would he be the odds-on favorite? Absolutely. But I don't think it's that. I do think at the end of the day, it is Jeff Hardy. If it's Keith Lee, you're not going to hear a peep out of me. I'll admit, listen, I got it wrong. I predicted Jeff, it's Keith Lee. I have no problem with Keith Lee coming in as long as he's with AEW. But I just don't see Keith Lee fitting into that role. I would figure that Tony Khan and AEW have a bigger debut planned for Keith Lee. And Keith Lee just got married. If you guys were on social media, Keith Lee and Mia Yim tied the knot. They got married this past weekend. Mick Foley was the one who was the, I guess, the the one to wed them on Saturday afternoon. And the thing is, don't people go on their honeymoon immediately after the wedding? Some people do. Some people don't. I don't know what Keith Lee and me and him are planning. Maybe they don't go on their honeymoon right away. They do this on Wednesday, and then they go on their honeymoon. If that is the case, and he is debuting. And then you can keep him off TV for a week, film some vignettes, do a sit-down with Jim Ross, have him take the week off. He'll come back to work after the honeymoon is over. But I don't see him debuting as soon as he gets married and then wants to go on his honeymoon. I'm still leaning towards Jeff Hardy. And there are plenty of free agents out there that it really could be. Johnny Gargano could be. John Morrison could be. Killer Cross could be. I mean, Tony Khan has his pick of the litter for free agents right now. The free agent market is looking bountiful. Very impressive. But I do think at the end of the day, it's Jeff Hardy, and they're trying to dumb down the rumors because Jeff Hardy's name has been thrown out there a lot. And it's not that difficult to figure out if it's Jeff or not. I do think everything lines up here with it being Jeff Hardy. Keith Lee, again, I'm not going to have a fucking complaint if Keith Lee is in AEW. But I don't think this is the right role for Keith Lee debut. I don't want him anywhere near the Hardy family office. Jeff Hardy... I figured would be the best fit here because of everything that's going on. And that is a potential out for him from the 90-day non-compete in WWE. There are other stars that are teasing the debut 
on Wednesday night on Dynamite. Killer Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux may have let it slip that there are plans for them to appear on AEW Dynamite in Atlantic City tomorrow night. Or they may just be having fun with the fans who are wondering who Tony Khan's surprise will be. So there's a clip online with both of them, both Cross and Bordeaux. And you can hear someone say that Cross and Bordeaux are the hot commodities right now and may be in Atlantic City. Bordeaux then said, and I quote, oh, is that dot, dot, dot. She stopped herself from continuing the sentence. Cross then in the video could be seen laughing and saying, holy shit, several times as Bordeaux tried to control her laughing. Cross and Bordeaux are free agents, so it's possible for them to sign with AEW. Now, of course, tomorrow's surprise could be somebody else entirely. It may not be Jeff Hardy. It may not be Keith Lee. It may not be Killer Cross. We don't know. There are plenty of names out there, like I told you. Oni Lorcan, Mia Yim, B-Fab, Nia Jax, Graham Metelli, Glimsay Dorado, Eva Marie, Harry Smith. That is the class of releases from November that have all become free agents this month. Strowman, Bray Wyatt, Buddy Murphy are still out there as well. It could legitimately be anybody. John Morrison, Johnny Gargano. It's going to be a must-see dynamite. It's going to be a must-see dynamite. But Killer Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux, I think they're great. I really do think that they would fit into AEW. But like I said, I do get a feeling that AEW is nearing a bloated roster. And there are others out there that I would take over a Killer Cross and a Scarlet Bordeaux. Keith Lee, John Morrison, Johnny Gargano, Bray Wyatt, Buddy Murphy. I'd even take Buddy Murphy over Killer Cross. I'm not saying that I would not want Cross in AEW, but Tony Khan is really going to have to look at who's on their way out from year one, who he wants to bring in, and who legitimately is going to be a difference maker for AEW. In my eyes, the two biggest difference makers are Bray Wyatt and Keith Lee. Johnny Gargano, to me, I'd love him in AEW because the matches that could be had, I mean, take my fucking money. It's not going to be a difference maker, but I think Johnny Gargano fits in AEW better than anywhere else he may be thinking. So WWE, you know, they let all this talent go. AEW, it's going to be very difficult for them not to be interested in all of them, but they can't have all of them. Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano, and Bray Wyatt, to me, are the top three guys as far as free agents from WWE that are still out there. So we will see. We will see. And speaking of Keith Lee, there is already talk, and Meltzer talked about this, there is already talk that AEW has already signed Keith Lee to an AEW contract. It was reported last week that AEW has big interest in Keith Lee. The rumors intensified after Tony Khan announced a major free agent wrestler would be signing with the company on Wednesday. It was never confirmed that Keith Lee was the surprise, though. There is running speculation that it's Keith Lee or Jeff Hardy. They announced the big debut on Wednesday, says Meltzer. So I'd say the favorite would be Keith Lee. Could be Athena. But this is a match with Isaiah Cassidy and Tony Khan promoted it as such. John Hennigan. John Morrison is another one. Of the people whose 90-day non-compete ended, those were the three that I thought were the most viable to sign with AEW. I know, says Meltzer. They've been talking to Keith Lee. I know they were pretty close with Lee if it's not already a done deal, it probably is a done deal at this time. I don't know that officially, but that's kind of been 
the word going around. Hennigan, you know what you got. I think with Athena, you know what you got. And actually, she would be good for AEW Women's Division. Keith Lee is an interesting one. I know what Keith Lee was in 2018 and even toned down and not told to do what he's good at, even in NXT, and he still got over. Keith Lee on the main roster was a disaster, end quote, says Dave Meltzer. We'll know on Wednesday. We will know on Wednesday. One other caveat here, and I want to... Make this the final point. Tony Khan has been using forbidden door quite often. Keith Lee is not a forbidden door walkthrough. He's a free agent. Jeff Hardy would be more of a forbidden door walkthrough because he's under a 90-day non-compete. AEW Matt Hardy want you to think he's under a 90-day non-compete. And when he, when he potentially walks through the forbidden door, everybody will be thinking that he is under a 90-day non-compete. And it's going to be even more of a surprise when he does because that's what everybody's going to be thinking about. Well, his non-compete wasn't up until March 10th, but, he here, but here he is on Dynamite in a match with Isaiah Cassidy, and he's going to be in a ladder match at Revolution. I mean, I like, I like that graying of the lines there. There's a reason why Matt said that, and it all has to do and revolve around the Forbidden Door. Keith Lee, none of these guys are a Forbidden Door. They're all ex-WWE talent. This is not somebody that's tied to WWE under any type of clause or contract walking on in. Keith Lee is not a forbidden door. He's a free agent. Jeff Hardy is more of a forbidden door based on the non-compete that he still has on his contract. Just keep that in mind. Let's shift gears to Shane McMahon, this disaster that seemingly more news about it comes out Every single week. Shane McMahon was upset, reportedly, about Vince McMahon pulling Seth Rollins out of the Royal Rumble match. Dave Meltzer did his weekly appearance on Sunday night's main event podcast to talk about the big news in wrestling this week. Meltzer recapped what went down with Shane McMahon last weekend at the Royal Rumble, and he noted that Shane got mad when Seth Rollins was pulled from the Royal Rumble match. At one point, the idea was for Shane and Seth to interact so they can lay the groundwork for their WrestleMania feud. Somebody grab me a fucking pillow. Dave Meltzer says, and I quote, Vince, he invited him to produce the Royal Rumble this year like he did last year. But Shane was in the Rumble this year and it turned into a big hassle and it angered a lot of wrestlers at the end of the day. Vince sent him home, and he was done following the Rumble. So he was going to be in WrestleMania against Seth Rollins. He was going to be in the Chamber match. Austin Theory took his spot in the Chamber match. I don't think he was going to win the Chamber match. I don't want to say he wasn't because I don't know for sure. I think the idea was Shane and Seth were going to start a feud in the Royal Rumble. They were going to continue it in the chamber match and build to a big blow-off at WrestleMania, and Vince pulled Seth from the Rumble. So Shane got really mad because this was his program, and then that's where everything escalated from that point. So then it was going to be, they would shoot the angle at the chamber, and by that point, Vince was just like, when Shane wasn't on TV Monday night, I thought something was going on, Behind the scenes, that was very weird. I didn't know he was in the chamber match, but I assumed he was at the time because I knew he was on the show. 
And I just figured he would be in that match. And then later I found out, yes, he was in the match and then pulled from the match, pulled from WrestleMania and done altogether. And it was like, wow, it's a big story for sure. I mean, the whole week, you know, Brock, Ronda, Shane, a lot of big stuff going on, end quote. Meltzer also noted how WrestleMania plans for Seth Rollins have changed more than once. Meltzer said the Seth thing is weird because, you know, you got to remember originally Seth was going to be the champion at WrestleMania. And that got switched when Reigns got COVID and they put the title on Brock. You know, so Seth has gotten screwed twice now and he's getting paid the same amount either way, end quote. None of this makes any sense. And this goes to show you the egos of the McMahons in this case. Shane wants what he wants. He was a crybaby and he didn't get what he wants. And that's what happened and what this all resulted in. Vince McMahon is never going to be told what to do, even by his own fucking family. This was a disaster. Shane McMahon... The only role for Shane McMahon at WrestleMania would have been in a match with Austin Theory. That is it. But Shane is so fucking greedy, like his father, that he wanted to be in a major spotlighted match with one of the top guys in the company. I don't know what that says about Shane McMahon, but all I see is fucking greed, power-hungry, manipulative bullshit at WrestleMania. And he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't need it. Why don't you take your standing as a McMahon and put over somebody that WWE's been actively trying to get over on television, which is Austin Theory, who by the fans' eyes is a big-time piece to this company's future. Why don't you use you and the power that you have to put over somebody like that, which would be an easy tie-in to the storyline that he's already working on TV with Vince. No, Shane wants to be in a feud with Seth Rollins because it's not going to enhance Seth Rollins in any way. It's only going to give Shane McMahon a bigger payday at WrestleMania and get Shane McMahon in the spotlight at WrestleMania. What sense does that make? Yes, let's have Rollins and Reigns feud and have a great match at the Royal Rumble only for Rollins to get back in the Royal Rumble after having a world title match and then start a program with Shane McMahon. That is two polar opposite situations. How do you go from Reigns to Shane McMahon? Universal Championship to Shane fucking McMahon. I don't get it. I do not understand it. And Rollins, I don't like when somebody's challenging for a world championship on that show and then automatically gets put into the Royal Rumble match. It it kind of defeats the purpose of him getting a championship match at the Royal. He just failed at winning the championship. You can't give somebody another opportunity and have them go into a Royal Rumble match, which grants you yet another opportunity at a world championship match. He's already had his. Let's share the wealth. In the Royal Rumble. I don't mind if somebody's wrestling for a secondary title and they want to go into the Royal Rumble. We've seen that done in the past. But the World Championship situation, champion or challenger in that case, should not be in the Royal Rumble. One of the main reasons why I didn't really like Brock Lesnar winning the Royal Rumble. I think it's fucking lame. I really do. The only time it made sense is when WWE did it. 
They had the WWE Championship on the line several years back in the Royal Rumble as of recently. And then you had Lesnar enter the Royal Rumble at number one. But that was great. That was great. He beat everybody. He beat everybody. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into the Royal Rumble and I'm going to win. And nobody, nobody's ever going to challenge me for this championship again. But they built it so great with Drew McIntyre getting the elimination on Brock Lesnar and then him winning the Royal Rumble. That was fantastic. There's ways to make it work. And then there are ways that it looks stupid and lame. Rollins didn't need to be in the Royal Rumble. Their line of thinking with Rollins being in the Royal Rumble or Shane being, or, or Shane wanting, rather, Rollins in the Royal Rumble is, yeah, let's lose, let's use main roster talent and then let me use Rollins to get myself over. Rollins didn't need to be in the Royal Rumble. You could have put him in that match, kept him in the Reigns match, and used an NXT talent. You could have called up a Braun Breaker or a Walter or a Grayson Waller or a Tony D'Angelo, Pete Dunne, Tommaso Ciampa, Cameron Grimes. There should have been some NXT representation in the Royal Rumble. Shane McMahon clearly was upset because he didn't get his way. He was a spoiled fucking bitch. And Vince told him no. Daddy told him no. He got upset. And then Daddy punished him. And in this case, the punishment is goodbye. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. What a, what a ridiculous, ridiculous situation. Brock Lesnar also wasn't reportedly happy about Shane McMahon's Royal Rumble ideas. Fightful Select reports that Lesnar, who won the Royal Rumble was not happy with Shane McMahon's behavior while planning the match. It was said that Shane was insistent on seeing them through, which clearly didn't end up happening. It remains to be seen what Shane's future in pro wrestling will be like, and I don't think he's coming back, especially for the foreseeable future. I do not see him coming back. You you pissed off Brock Lesnar. Now, I don't know how to take this. Apparently, Lesnar was supposed to win the Royal Rumble dating back two weeks before the Royal Rumble. They already had that planned in the bag. Lesnar was going to win the Royal Rumble. Book it as such. Get him in the Rumble and book him winning the Royal Rumble. So Lesnar really didn't have to do much of anything. Comes out at number 30. He eliminates Shane. He eliminates Bad Bunny. He eliminates Drew McIntyre. And goodbye. He's off to WrestleMania to challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. If you have Brock Lesnar, who is as easy as pie to book at the number 30 position, pissed off about what you're doing for the overall Royal Rumble match, then you know you had fucked up. Because what does Lesnar have to be upset about? He's coming in at the last position and going to win the fucking thing, and he's going to go main event WrestleMania with Roman Reigns. If Brock Lesnar was pissed off, then you know you did your job, your job like shit. Seriously. You did a shitty fucking job that Brock Lesnar got pissed off. So what that means to me is Brock Lesnar really looking out for the rest of the roster and, and the Royal Rumble match itself? That he's looking at Shane McMahon and, and taking his ideas and telling him that it's shit, he wasn't happy about his ideas? That's what it sounds like to me. Otherwise, why would Lesnar be pissed off? Lesnar usually sits to himself. Lesnar's usually by himself. Why would he be upset? Book me, pay me, let me go home. But here he is, Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful Select, a paid subscription. So clearly this is coming from somebody. Lesnar was reportedly unhappy about Shane McMahon's Royal Rumble ideas. So even Lesnar is thinking, Shane is here, he's not here all fucking year, and he's booking himself to be more over than everybody else. Or maybe Lesnar was like, you're, you're trying to get yourself over in the same fucking match that I'm in at the same fucking time. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. We're giving that to somebody else. 
So maybe Lesnar was for a better Royal Rumble, and that's why he was completely against Shane McMahon. I don't know. I'm completely against Bill Goldberg. Apparently, Bill Goldberg may end up resigning with the WWE. I pray to God not. WWE started Roman Reigns' road to WrestleMania against Bill Goldberg, Saudi Arabia, Universal Championship. Goldberg showed up on Friday and SmackDown and challenged Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber. Roman Reigns has been the top guy in WWE for over 500 plus days. It was noted that WWE has always wanted Reigns to get a win against Goldberg, and this was being talked about for several years. Goldberg and Roman makes sense, says Dave Meltzer. They've been wanting to do this match for years. I don't see Goldberg winning. Like, you could do it. Like, have Brock Lesnar get his retribution, cost Goldberg the championship, then Goldberg could defend it. I don't see that happening. I think that Reigns just beats Goldberg because they've been wanting to have Reigns beat Goldberg for a couple of years now. It sounds like WWE is hoping to continue the Roman Reigns build as an unstoppable force going into WrestleMania with his program against Brock Lesnar. So clearly beating Goldberg in this is what WWE has in mind. Beating Goldberg would be a, I guess in some people's eyes in WWE, a major notch on Roman's championship reign. WWE is hoping the match helps get Reigns over for a huge WrestleMania match with Brock Lesnar. I don't see it being that way. I don't. Who's Bill Goldberg? Bill, Bill Goldberg comes back and loses and then championship matches every single fucking time he's back. I don't understand why everybody is clamoring to see this match in WWE. Bill can't even walk to the fucking ring correctly. Nobody's interested in this match. Everybody's more upset that Goldberg is back and we're getting this type of shit happening on WWE TV during the road to WrestleMania. This is the one major flaw of current WWE programming, the fact that they never change from their fucking tried and true. Let's bring back a Goldberg. Let's bring back a Lita, right? What's going to happen when Goldberg and Lita can't do it anymore? Who are you going to rely on for these Saudi shows? Who are you going to rely on for WrestleMania season? And then there's talk about Goldberg resigning with the WWE. The only reason why he would resign with the WWE is because it's easy fucking money. And Goldberg is not going to AEW. I want to make that very clear. Tony Khan knows what the fans want. Tony Khan is not going to bring in Bill Goldberg and sign him to an AEW contract all because he's a free agent or all because he was a fan of WCW back in the day. Tony Khan would have a complete fucking PR nightmare, shitstorm nightmare on social media. And that's something he doesn't want. And you know what? I would facilitate it. I would gladly take the fucking charge on that social media campaign. Because there's no way that I'm going to sit here and criticize Goldberg and fuck Bill Goldberg in WWE and then be happy to see him in AEW. No. No, he doesn't fit their mold at all. No matter what value he still has, which in my eyes is zero. Bill Goldberg versus Roman Reigns, maximum five minutes. Maximum five minutes in Saudi. Spear, jackhammer, spear, Superman punch, that's it. It's all over. Get him out of there. Go get your surgery and go fucking retire. Nobody wants to see you again. Bully Ray, speaking about Bill Goldberg. There's a reason why I think 
busted open radio is losing a ton of credibility. This quote by Bully Ray in regards to Bill Goldberg is one of the primary reasons why I don't know why people continue to listen to garbage takes like this. This is obviously done to warrant heat, but it's also completely and blatantly stupid and it's fucking reckless. And I don't appreciate that. There's legitimately nobody out there that wants to hear this fucking opinion. And this opinion should not be forced onto fucking people via a nationally syndicated wrestling show on Sirius XM. Bullshit. You're doing your fans a disservice and you're treating your fans like a bunch of fucking idiots with shit takes like this one from Bully Wright. He says that Goldberg should defeat Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber as the result seems obvious to fans right now. When has the obvious ever been a bad thing? There is good obvious and then there's bad obvious. This is one of those bad obviouses, but it's also a good thing that Roman Reigns retains the Universal Championship. Listen to this. I honestly believe this is the perfect opportunity for WWE to stir a lot of shit up and throw a huge monkey wrench into their plans. And this is exactly why Bully Ray is saying what I'm about to read to you now, to stir up the pot because he knows that either Busted Open is losing momentum or he's losing relevancy and he needs to keep his name in people's mouths. Personally, I would have Goldberg come back and beat Roman Reigns in Saudi and immediately do a rematch on SmackDown the following night and put it back on Roman. This would get genuine reactions and actually get people talking. It would be different and it would be the exact opposite of what it is right now, which is extremely predictable. Have Goldberg beat Roman on Saturday and on the 25th at SmackDown, put the championship right back on him. That's six days of people talking about Goldberg as the new champion. Shake things up a bit. End quote. Personally, I would like to have Goldberg beat Roman Reigns. Do a rematch on Friday. This would get genuine reactions and actually get people talking. If you want WWE to lose the the remaining members of their fan base during the most important season of the year, then by all means, do this with Bill Goldberg. This is not something that would get genuine reactions in a good way. You don't want genuine reactions that are going to be volatile and full of negative hatred towards WWE. They get that on the regular, normally with their regular television product on a weekly basis. Then you're going to have Goldberg come in and ruin a 530-plus day title reign of Roman Reigns where everybody has been asking for WWE to take it a little bit more seriously, start building up new talent, and have new talent, fresh talent, young talent, the future built up to take Roman down. I don't think Bill Goldberg fits that mold, Mr. Ray. No, you don't want to shake things up. In a hideous way like that, would I appreciate unpredictability? Yes, but you don't want Bill Goldberg winning the Universal Championship going into WrestleMania. You don't. That is one of the most awful ideas I think I've ever heard anybody project onto a wrestling fan base. That is ridiculous. 
Thank God that's not likely to happen because this is the last match on Goldberg's WWE run. He'd have to sign a new contract after the Elimination Chamber or before the Elimination Chamber to even think about doing this match on Friday Night SmackDown. What an awful fucking idea. An awful, awful idea. Not only does that take Roman Reigns and the title reign and kill it for Bill Goldberg, but you make the Universal Championship look like a piece of shit. Hot potatoing that title on top of WWE already contemplating doing the same thing with the WWE title. Because there are rumors that Vince wants to do title versus title. He put the title on Brock to put it on Lashley, to put it on Brock again at the chamber so that we get title versus title reigns versus Lesnar. So you want both titles during WrestleMania season to be hot potatoed just so that we get title versus title, so that we get unpredictability. Thank God Bully Ray is not a fucking creative member of the writing team for WWE. What an awful fucking idea, man. I think I honestly lost brain cells reading that goddamn fucking report. Now you know why nobody should be listening to Busted Open Radio. Nobody. With fucking shit takes like that, I don't know how they have any credibility left in the IWC. WWE, speaking of WrestleMania, Goldberg, Lesnar, part-timers, Ronda Rousey. WWE had a talk with Ronda Rousey following her promo on Raw last week. Now, I've seen this coming from a mile away. She came out, and that promo was atrocious. She looked and sounded like she didn't even want to be there. What good is Ronda Rousey and what good is WWE giving her the Royal Rumble if she doesn't want to be there? I'd love to see somebody excited to be there, excited to win the Royal Rumble, excited to go and main event WrestleMania and not simply be there, have this loathing attitude towards the fan base and not give a shit that you're going for the Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey won the Women's Royal Rumble, challenged Charlotte Flair on Friday night for the SmackDown Women's title at WrestleMania, which will be the main event of night one. Rousey had previously talked about not liking the travel schedule in WWE and dealing with negative fans. Towards the end of her first run in WWE, she turned heel after the fans started to boo her. Now that she's back, Rousey is supposed to be a babyface against Charlotte Flair, who is a heel. However, Rousey came across like she was portraying a heel character at the Royal Rumble, and then again on Monday Night Raw following the Rumble. Friday Night SmackDown was Ronda Rousey shaking people's hands, high-fiving fans in the front row, looking like she was happy to be there. She had a smile on her face when she showed up on Friday Night SmackDown. Dave Meltzer noted in The Observer that some people within WWE spoke to Rousey after her Raw promo and told her to let go of the past. Meltzer says, and I quote, Yeah, I believe people were talking to her about Monday. Meltzer said before Brian Alvarez recalled Rousey smiling and slapping hands with fans on SmackDown. She acknowledged the fans. She was very bitter in coming back. And I think that was not a good attitude to have, especially since she's being portrayed as a babyface. Like people, when they saw her go, oh my God, she's being a heel. 
It's it's like, no, that's just Ronda being Ronda. They had to talk her out of basically going out there and being Ronda. These people are cheering you. You have to acknowledge them. Do not mean mug them, end quote. She wants to be there. She uh, He continued about Ronda. She wants to be there, but she doesn't have to do this. She hates the fans because of them turning on her, but she has to let that go. I presume somebody explained that to her. I know people talked to her about certain things. It was explained that you have to let that go because if you're going to be bitter about that, you're not supposed to be a heel. And if you're bitter at the fans, you're not going to be a very good babyface. She was way better on Friday night, end quote. Now, Rousey, she admitted that she took the fans' reactions and she took it personally. During a gaming stream on Facebook, Ronda Rousey noted that while she does play a character to a degree, she's still Ronda Rousey in WWE. So she does take some of the trash talk personally. Opening up about pressure, she feels, when headlining shows. Rousey said this, and I quote, It's not hard, it's hard to not take it, the trash talk, personally from the fans because I don't go out there as dot, dot, dot. I mean, I do go out there as a character, but I'm also Ronda Rousey, so I don't play Ronda Rousey on television. So sometimes I take it personally from the fans, not so much from the wrestlers. The fans, I do. It's such pressure when I'm the last on the show because I feel like it's my responsibility to retain the ratings and deliver. You don't want people to be disappointed, end quote. This is Ronda Rousey's inexperience in the pro wrestling world. This is not MMA. You can go out there and play Ronda Rousey in an an MMA or a UFC octagon. The fans, whether they cheer you or boo you, you can have whatever feeling you want about those fucking fans. They are watching you fight. So they can boo and cheer you however they want. And it's the same way with you. You could tell them to fuck off. Or you could tell them that you love them. And they could still boo the fucking ever-living shit out of you. The reaction in a UFC environment is much different than a pro wrestling environment. You can't go out there and be Ronda Rousey. You can be Ronda Rousey to an extent. But you can't go in there and not give a shit about the fans. You gotta take your role into consideration. Charlotte is the heel. Charlotte is the one that should be taking the fans and their negativity towards her and using it and throwing it back at them. You're the baby face. You gotta show up and smile every day you come into work. You got to go out there and shake hands and give high fives and smile at the little fucking kids and the grandma sitting in the front row. You got to play up to the fucking fat slob wrestling marks in the crowd that hold the Ronda Rousey sign or the rowdy Ronda signs in the crowd. You can't go out there and all because they don't like you, give them negative emotion. You can't go out there and give them the middle finger. It goes to show you her lack of wrestling IQ. And that comes with being there more and understanding the whole pro wrestling universe. It's much different. Yes, they're combat sports. Yes, they're competitive sports. One is a stage performance. 
One is a predetermined performance where you play a character and you take that character and you go out and play that character in front of the fans. If it doesn't work, then you try something else. This is not UFC where you could go out there and fucking have it be a free-for-all. Can't do that. Doesn't matter what those fucking people think. It only matters on you to win the fucking match in the octagon. This is Ronda Rousey being immature and a rookie in WWE. Hopefully she understands that. Seriously, I hope she understands that. Everything that WWE gave her, she willingly, she played a great heel. If she wants to go out there and play a heel, great. This is why I said it probably would have been best if she did Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Becky would be playing the role that she's supposed to play, a babyface, instead of this in-between bullshit, and Ronda could have been a heel. But Ronda's back for the whole year. WWE has her on Fox. They want to present her as the the biggest name in the division. So she has to play a babyface. She's got to be bubbly, fucking, you know, going out there and doing PR interviews, radio interviews, ESPN. Got to be the babyface, Ronda Rousey. You can't take what the fans said about you in your first stint and hold on to that, that animosity. There's a reason why Ronda is not universally liked in the pro wrestling realm. Some wrestling fans, they look at the UFC thing and they're like, get the fuck out of here. This is not your world. You're not good. You're only here for a payday. Yes, yes, that can bother you. Yes, you're a person, you're a human being. That can bother you, but you can't let it show. You can't let it show on stream. You can't let it show on TV. There's a reason why people like me don't like Ronda there. I get why she's there. I understand it, but I don't have to like it. There are many people that think that same way. She can't take that and have it negatively affect the direction that WWE wants her to go in. If this was Becky, I'd understand. But the fact that you are in the ring against a equally universally hated performer in Charlotte Flair for all the wrong reasons, for all the wrong reasons, it's not going to work well against you, and it may end up sabotaging your match at WrestleMania. You don't want to take that and come off as a bad guy against another person that is generally disliked. That match is not going to have any momentum at all. And you're going to have the fans completely turn on you at WrestleMania. You can't do that. Ronda needs to smarten up and know where she's working. This isn't UFC. This final story, guys, this is absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Everybody thought that there was a forbidden door between WWE and Impact Wrestling. I knew that there wasn't, and I knew that the Mickey James inclusion in the Royal Rumble was a complete fucking farce. It was a bullshit appearance. It did nothing for Impact, and it did nothing for WWE. It actually benefited WWE more because they got another warm body in a Royal Rumble that they struggled to fill 30 spots for. If anything, if this did anything for Impact, it did a rating leading into the Rumble and after the Rumble, their ratings dipped about 30 to 40%. Fell off a fucking cliff. They didn't retain any of that audience. So how good did this work out for Impact Wrestling? You want to know? So much so that WWE banned literally that came with the Impact Wrestling Knockouts Championship. Everything that came from the pro wrestling realm was banned on WWE television. This is coming from sources 
Fightful is reporting that WWE said there were caveats to literally everything surrounding Mickey James' return. WWE announcers were reportedly not allowed to use the words knockout or world, which is why the championship was billed in the way where they just said impact women's champion. They didn't use knockout. They didn't use world champion. WWE is very strict on what words get used on television. Knockout or world was not used. Also noted in Fightful, that WWE allowed announcers to say impact, but not impact wrestling. Fightful says this, and I quote, Someone in WWE revealed about the Mickey James stuff, and I was like, it was really cool that they did all that. But they were like, yeah, there were some caveats to literally everything that we had to do with Mickey James. The first thing was we were allowed to say impact, but at no point were we allowed to say impact wrestling. It was a really important distinction. Impact wrestling cannot be said. Impact wrestling cannot be tagged on social media. You are not to say impact wrestling, solely impact. Now, the name of the company is Impact Wrestling, but it's one of those WWE things where we don't say wrestling. You don't say wrestling. This company is not called Impact Wrestling, simply impact The other thing was, and we were told, we do not use the term knockout. We do not use the term world. Even though the belt is called the Impact Knockouts World Championship. We do not use either of those words. And we were specifically on to refer this as the Impact Women's Championship. Despite the fact that it is not called that. So it wasn't just free range that Impact gets this publicity. But there were specific things that were to be done if the partnership was going to move forward for the Royal Rumble. James was in the Royal Rumble for 12 minutes. She eliminated Michelle McCool and then got thrown over the top rope by Lita. And Lita is on TV. Mickey James was used for a one-off to do literally nothing in the Royal Rumble. Imagine! And you don't think Mickey James knew this? There's nobody. Nobody's going to make me believe Mickey James didn't know what she was walking into with the Impact Women's World Championship. The Impact Wrestling Knockouts Women's World Championship, whatever the fuck you want to call it, right? She knew exactly what she was walking into, and at the end of the day, she looks like a fucking fool. What was this partnership about? WWE getting a warm body in the Royal Rumble. Your partnership with WWE would not even allow you to describe your company in full and give the proper name to the championship that it is. WWE were at liberty to call it whatever the fuck they wanted. Some some relationship, right? Some relationship. The forbidden door doesn't exist. It will never exist in WWE with another working company. What impact? They wanted the publicity for the fucking week that it was, right? And now what happened? Nothing about it even matters anymore. It did literally nothing for Impact Wrestling. All it did was fill a a fucking numbered spot in the Royal Rumble. Forbidden Door is supposed to be something for the fans to get excited about. Open WWE's doors to working with others, letting others in their sandbox and play around for a little bit. 
WWE doesn't know how to play well with others. And clearly they took the forbidden term and the definition of forbidden just a little bit too seriously. Mickey James being in the Rumble was a fucking joke. Impact being represented by WWE while they knew this was gonna be a thing was a fucking joke. And anybody that thinks WWE is now a part of the forbidden door is a fucking joke. It will never be a thing. Guys, I'm getting out of here. Thank you so very much for all your support on the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit that thumbs up. Let me know what you guys think down below of all of the top stories on this Tuesday afternoon. 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS 411. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. And I will see you guys live tonight for NXT 2.0 live post show right here on Off The Scripts. Also, once again, guys, meet and greet tomorrow, Atlantic City, New Jersey, AEW Dynamite, Tennessee Avenue, Beer Hall, 2 to 6 p.m. I will be there. Come and hang out. Have some cold beverages, some good food. Merchandise will be on sale. It'll be a good time. Until then, guys, I'll see you tonight for NXT. And until then, have a great Tuesday. And I'll see you guys later.